My buddy Rob and I have this fun project that we get to do with our 8th grade students during chemistry where they take apart an old computer. They have to find a computer piece, figure out the elements that make up that computer piece and why those elements are in there. And then what happens to those elements when we toss out or throw away the computer. So I had an opportunity to interview some of his kids and here's what they said. I made a robotic mouse. How'd that make you feel? Good. Yeah. Proud. So this next kid took computer fans and made a hovercraft. Check it out. You worked on the hovercraft at home. Why did you decide to work on it at home? Because, I don't know, I was just really interested in it and it seemed like a fun thing for me to do. How long did you work on it? About three hours. About three hours. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't, you didn't have to. No. It was just fun. It was fun? Yeah. Why was it fun? I get to do my own thing. Like. The background noise you hear there is football practice because the kid wanted to learn how to fly the drone and the football coach wanted aerial video footage. So, I don't know. I just kind of ruled around with different things to see how much weight I could use and could not use and so it didn't work the first time first five times it didn't first work. first five times it didn't work <laughs> yeah so what why did you keep going because I was I don't know I was kind of getting frustrated and I I just didn't want to quit because I don't know you wanted I it just, to work yeah yeah okay so how did you How'd you make it better over time? Well, I just figured out the weight differences and how much weight uh, the fans could hold. And it was more just trial and error. This last girl, using cardboard, clothespins, and hot glue, was able to take her great-grandma's old picture slides and digitize them. Check this out. I turned slides into, and I digitized them and put them on my phone. How'd you get the idea to do this? Um, well, I have 927 slides at my house from my great grandma who traveled the world and took pictures of them. And nice. so I thought, and my dad's like, you should probably like digitize these or put them on the computer somehow. And I'm like, okay. And then I was introduced to this project and I thought, what a great way to do it, especially if it's gonna be DIY. Yeah, cool. So did you have any problems along the way? Did anything not work the way you wanted it to? And then... um, well, at first I just cut one flap of the cereal box open, but I realized that um, the angle didn't work to for the light to shine through and hit the picture correctly. Yeah. So I had to cut off more of the cereal box and make most of the cereal box more as a platform than the actual project. And uh, then, Taking the pictures can be hard sometimes because of like you have to get like under the picture to see the light. So how did you feel when it worked? Um, I was feel? really excited. It made me feel really good because I'm really excited about some of these pictures because they're like from all over the world and it's cool to see what that looks like. Right before that last interview, we found out that she is actually a former student of our guest today. Andrew Good. Helping educators connect with great people doing great things in education. This is the Connected Learning Podcast.
I'm your host, Patrick Dempsey, coming to you from the Gateway City. This is the podcast by educators, for educators. Welcome and thanks for spending your time with us. A quick shout out to the students and Rob Ramback who helped me with the introduction. Thank you. Increased confidence and learning happen when students get an opportunity to create and make. This brings me to my interview with the man known as Mr. Makerspace. Andrew Gooden was doing Makerspace in the St. Louis area before it was cool, before it was the buzzword it is today. What I love about Andrew is his story and the way he continues to learn and change kids' lives in the process. Andrew is now a Makerspace teacher in the St. Louis area at Grand Center Arts Academy. Get your learning face on, people. Here we go. Andrew, tell us, um, tell us about your journey to Grand Center Arts Academy and how you came into a makerspace there. Absolutely. It started a lot like this. So two teachers having a conversation about innovation and learning and best practices. Uh, the other educator at that time was Gregory Hill, and he was teaching Spanish at Walnut Park in St. Louis, and I was teaching chemistry at Soldian. And we, we would talk about learning a lot. And so that led to the formation of a nonprofit organization called the Disruption Department. Our first pilot experience was uh, acquiring a bunch of laptops donated by MasterCard. And at Soldan, I started a club called Tech Army. And the goal of this club was to refurbish these laptops for use in my chemistry class. And these lap, they needed new operating systems. Some of the keys were broken. Some hard drives had to be replaced. And That's so I imagine, awesome. yeah, yeah. So I, I, I estimated it would take, I don't know, like six months, maybe the entire year before I'm actually able to use these laptops in my chemistry classes. But they, they got them, most of them up and running within two weeks. And so two weeks after that first Tech Army meeting, we were able to have laptops. Wow. Laptop. You had a real problem and uh, you just, you just kind of gave kids some skills to solve that problem and then you went after it. This yeah. is, that's awesome. And it was led by their passion. You know, they're, they're coming to Tech Army after school for fun as a club. So from there, we talked, what would it be like if students learned like this all of the time? And that led to the pilot of uh, five or so different programs. But the one that stuck was uh, we pitched this idea of a makerspace to the leadership at Grand Center Arts Academy. We started really small, uh, Fridays only, only for one semester. This was four years ago. And it, yeah, it, 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 before it, makerspace was cool, people. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, this was, was tiny little office. before makerspace buzzword. <laughs> I mean, that had to throw people off. They were just like, "What? What is this? What is this thing?" So, how'd that go? Uh, initially, so um, our mindset back then was that we need to start with an empty room and have students design the space. And that was by nature yeah. of the materials we had. But then also, let's you know, let's try this. It's very low risk. Uh, that year, our total budget was a hundred dollars for the entire year. So we made really good friends with the custodian and had him drop off any cardboard uh, that was left throughout the building. So it was all very, very low tech prototypes, very low yeah. tech inventions. Yeah. Uh, but it was a huge hit. Teachers loved it. Administrators loved it. Students loved it. And so the next year, I was hired on uh, to run the Makerspace full-time. Wow. So what I get out of that was Makerspace started with 
or it was a problem that you're solving with broken computers that taught kids how to fix. And then when it really started, you had cardboard. And so I think a lot of times people get into this, you know, we want a makerspace in our, in our school or in our classroom, but we need stuff. And I, I feel like people get caught up in, in the stuff a whole lot. I mean, your beginnings are, are low tech or stuff that, you know, people didn't want anymore, broken computers. So that's, that's awesome. Absolutely. That's awesome. Uh, whenever I talk with somebody about starting a makerspace, I always encourage them to start super small, super, you know, prototype this, pilot this, and then you can always iterate with the fancy laser cutters, 3D printers, CNC routers uh, from there. Now you are a full-time makerspace teacher at Grand Center Arts Academy. What does a typical day look like for you? <laughs> if there uh, wow. is such a thing, really. Uh, yeah, yeah. So every day is incredibly different. Uh, actually, today is a perfect example of that. So the makerspace model now is a hybrid model, which means students come in as part of a regular portion of their schedule, classes in the makerspace, but then there's also drop-in time available. So today, for instance, the day started with, uh, actually, you were part of this event back when it was the Canes Arcade Carnival we had today. Yes. Um, yes. And so Love this that one. The, the second project in our semester-long middle school class. And so today was the big payoff. Students have worked for a long time designing games that are fun. And today, other students came in to play those games. The next period, uh, oh, that actually was second period. First period, uh, we were doing computer programming with Scratch. And uh, we're just at the very beginning of this project. Uh, but students are learning the basics. They're remixing programs. They're the, the defined challenges. How might we make this game more challenging, addictive, and fun? And then... Then there were some students who dropped in, and the day closes out with an advanced makerspace course. So these are students who took a class the year before, and they are working on digital portfolios. And then at the end of the day is our school has a, a flex time. And so uh, we do character development. It's like it's a homeroom style class. But yeah, gotcha. every day is incredibly different, different tools, different experiences. Um, different points among, uh, along the design thinking framework. Grade level of kids that you see throughout the day? It's, uh, this year is the first year that our school has had a senior class. And as such, there's been some scheduling kinks to work out. So it ended up being that the, most of the students who are accessing Makerspace this year are middle school students. Uh, in the past, there have been high school classes as well. And actually, I met with a counselor today uh, to figure out how we can uh, include high schoolers as part of classes for next year. Is this like an elective class that people come to or can people come to on their on their free period? How does that work? Yeah, so the, the design thinking 101, that scratch programming class, and then the carnival class are, were both middle school electives. And then later in the afternoon, there's drop-in time that if a student receives a pass from his or her teacher, they can come to the makerspace and work on a, a passion project or 20% time project. How do you know Makerspace is working? You have kids doing design thinking, they're coming in, they're working, you know, a problem that you give them or a problem that they've seen and building a solution for that. What are your goals and how do you know it's working? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. When I think about the goals of Makerspace, I, I think two different ones. The first is uh, the acknowledging that design thinking is a really simple process, but it takes a lot of practice, just like playing an instrument 
relatively simple, but to be good at it takes a ton of practice. And so uh, I look for mastery of design thinking skills. And the vision I have for that, there's this old wacky video from IDEO where they lead the redesign of a shopping cart. And I show that video to students, it's a pretty old video. And I say, I would love it if by the end of the class, you could be a voice at that table because you understand the process of solving challenges using design thinking. And so I know that Makerspace is working because students are approaching that vision. Um, at the beginning of the year, it definitely starts very teacher-centered where I'm facilitating the design thinking. Sure. But as we're seeing in our advanced class, these are students who have had Makerspace classes for two years. They're beginning to lead their own design thinking experiences uh, with minimal coaching from me. Uh, the second goal is building creative confidence. And this is spawning from when I asked at the beginning of the year last year, what's the best idea you've ever had? And across the board, students said, I've never had a good idea. And so, so the idea that Makerspace offers an opportunity to pursue a bunch of challenges using a bunch of crazy tools that students have most likely never interacted with and building the creative confidence by nature of, of, of tackling these challenges many times throughout the year. It's just neat to need to hear. And those, those seniors that you have now, like you've messed them up for life. <laughs> yeah. they, Hopefully. they know now how to go for solve problems and use tools in the process. And it's awesome to hear. And that's neat that you are having seniors now just go for it. And those seniors are cataloging their design experiences on digital portfolios so that then they can use those to, you know, there's the open portfolio project where now 200 universities have signed on and have agreed to accept digital portfolios as part of the application process. So, wow. so I guess that would be, that would be a tertiary goal is students using their makerspace experiences, documenting in an authentic way, and then using that to pursue whatever future opportunities they would like. Yeah. And just, show their work and their voice in a whole different way. That's neat. So as you continue to help students create and now having your own makerspace classroom, what have you what have you learned along the way? What would you say to someone getting started with makerspace? Wow. Uh, so just as I teach, I guide students through the process of design thinking, the makerspace has been our product. So I model the process of design thinking through the development of the makerspace. And I think back to that room four years ago, tiny little office, little bit of cardboard, $100 worth of stuff from the Dollar Tree, and now where we are today. And the reason that we are where we are today in this beautiful room that overlooks Powell Symphony Hall uh, with a classroom component and a maker workshop area is because we've iterated uh, according to the process of design thinking. We found bugs in the system of the way that we've attempted and have resolved, squashed those bugs uh, by brainstorming solutions and prototyping and implementing and continually iterating. As I've seen makerspaces develop at other schools, the first concept is that there's no, makerspace is not plug and play. A makerspace at one school will look nothing like a makerspace at the other school. And I think about how different your makerspace uh, looks compared to, to what we have, compared to you know what all of the other schools have. If there is one common thread, though, among makerspaces, I think it's a need for flexibility. Uh, if, if you operate and make decisions with the mindset that this is going to be a flexible space, more often than not, those decisions are going to end up paying off in the end. 
maker spaces do not look all the same <laughs> definitely not definitely not i i saw somewhere it was like maker space in a box and i was like you nope. gotta be kidding me like <laughs> that's that's a really good i like the concept but every place is different and every teacher is different and they're we're all gonna put that together in a, a different way i love the idea of you know the maker space is never done and you are you're using design thinking to constantly reinvent what it looks like as you have as you have different kids and as just your ideas evolve as well good for you for just being so flexible <laughs> with that that's that's awesome what's a good resource for learning about makerspace in the school setting yeah absolutely i think the number one resource is uh, invent to learn uh, which is a book actually i uh, there's a ton of great books, especially as makerspaces have become more popular. And so I've collected those on a, a Tumblr website, drewblet.tumblr.com. And there, it's just my bookshelf. Uh, many of them are tagged with, with makerspace, uh, the makerspace tag. But if you're going to read one book, that Invent to Learn book is fantastic. It, it walks through the mindsets of makerspace, how to get started with the makerspace, and tools for starting a makerspace. That's good. And um, I think one for me that was, it was a good resource. I don't know if it was the best, but the, the makerspace playbook was just oh, good yeah. to like, just get your eyes on and just start to think about it, how it would work. Uh, the one thing I will say about, yes, I love, man, if there could be a makerspace playbook where they cut out that last section that is so scary with all of the tools and the costs, yeah, because that so frequently just gets copy and pasted into grants. And yes. we need this, we need this, we need this. And if instead we approach grants themselves are tend to be very anti design thinking, because you, you pitch this entire concept, and then you, you cross your fingers and hope that it's going to work when students actually engage with it. Um, but if we could, if with all education stuff, we could work through design thinking and, and start small and then expand from there, I think it would be, it'd be incredible. Yeah. And I mean, like you came at it from, we have a problem. I don't have enough computers in my room. Kids have an interest in fixing computers. So let's go. Um, and I think with, with the makerspace that, that Rob and I do, it was, how do we get these projects that we're doing in science? How do we get them up to the next level and you know providing kids with those tools brought those brought those projects up brought their work up so it was kind of how do we get make project-based learning better yeah pairing it with the makerspace idea and the make you know, like the mobile makerspace we have was was perfect but yeah, and your constraints are so much different than than my constraints. You know, the, sure. the idea that your makerspace is on a cart and that you've designed thought how, okay, let's test this. I imagine that there's been tweaking as part of that. Uh, I think, okay. you know, one thing that transcends all of this makerspace stuff is is flexibility or or design thinking. Yes. Make it for for you and your kids and your place. Yeah. I think that's really good. Andrew, how do people get a hold of you? So uh, my my hashtag for the year on the onset of this year uh, last year I had four preps that were all new to makerspace and so if I was not teaching I was planning nonstop um, this year my hashtag that's guiding me is documentation so I'm really trying to do a better job documenting and all that documentation goes on uh, the makerspace blog 
G-C-A-A, makerspace.wordpress.com. You can also follow the Makerspace on Twitter at G-C-A-A Makerspace and Instagram. And then my personal Twitter account is Mr. Underscore Makerspace because uh, for about the first six months, that's what kids called me. <laughs> Mr. Makerspace? Mr. Makerspace. Mr. Makerspace, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that is so great. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up here. So, Andrew, thank you very much for being our guest. Your guest number two on our show. Yeah, it is so awesome. It is so awesome that you're doing this. I just love yeah. that. Uh, you know, I, I can't wait to see how where it goes. I love this interview with Andrew. He's the real deal, and he's one of the many who are getting it done with kids every day. Check out the resources and the many ways you can get a peek into the work that Andrew and his kids are doing on our show notes found under resources at www dot connected learning stl dot org connected learning will be hosting a play date on saturday october 24th from 8 30 to 12 30 at principia school come and explore the things you never had time to explore this is just a great opportunity to get out there and fool around with some of the the new stuff that's out there that we just rarely have time to do this episode is sponsored by Waterway Car Wash, where everyone leaves happy. That's going to put this episode in the books. On behalf of the Connected Learning Leadership Team, thanks again for listening. We know you have many options, and we really appreciate you spending your time with us. We'll have another conversation real soon. <laughs>